There we go. Hit the big old buzzer and welcome to another episode. Yet another. Folks, how long can they go? 203 episodes and they haven't given up yet. <laughs> Were we supposed to give up at some point? Nobody told us. The haters say quit and we say we can't. We don't know how. Well, you know what they say. Haters are going to they're gonna hate, 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 hate. We don't do enough skits and little jokes anymore. I've been listening to the old episodes of Grid and Glitter when I upload them every Saturday for our Patreon people. And it's like, <laughs> we used to always have like these little like jokes and skits to open the show. And this week, oh, perfect. We do like a whole opening skit about how we, we're rebranding. We're not Grid and Glitter anymore. We're just like Y and Z now. And we're, change, and we're changing the <laughs> image to just being like black and silver instead. It'd be so timely. Whoa. Uh, it's It's true. But uh, but sadly, we haven't planned anything because we don't do sk- skits anymore. We're too serious in our old age. I think someone told us they didn't like it, and we were like, no, no we're not going to do it anymore. Oh, that sounds like that one grumpy know, person remember. that doesn't like fun. I think it was Dawn. Oh, no! Famously, famously Dawn, unfun. <laughs> I hate fun. Dawn was like, Dawn was like, I don't like your comedy. I don't get it. <laughs> not enough slapstick I'm like it's a radio show what do you want from us <laughs> you like, need to be able to hear you more eye there should be more eye gouge noises hmm. or me saying you know what let me check the viewer mail and I open the door and all a bunch of junk falls on my head <laughs> amazing classic um, speaking of no I don't want to say speaking of junk I don't want to say a bunch of stuff falling on my head Speaking, speaking of, speaking of, uh, speaking of seven years of quality, we're not, we're not there yet, but we'll get there. Seven years of science, courtesy of the folks in the wrestler's lab. That is correct. Seven years. I remember talking to those guys, maybe like when they were just coming back, like starting to eke back from. Like from COVID, and they referred to it as maybe a three or four year, like off and on thing. So, like, the seven years, as far as I can remember from the timeline, is like not necessarily like consistent shows. They they were a brand that kind of attached itself to other shows for a while before running their own standalone things. But yes, seven years. Like, even in that case, it's still pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty notable to like be able to have a consistent wrestling brand that carried through covid for seven years cage match tells me wrestlers lab volume one october uh, july 2016 new york city and uh mm-hmm. the card featured people like mr grim hey and guess what this card also featured that pittsburgh loves mr grim oh my gosh well what's not to love about mr grim <laughs> he's scary has adorable children he's got a really strong gimmick he throws people really hard i mean it's really hard not he to hits really, really hard and him. he can fly like that's all i need in a wrestler right i mean truthfully <laughs> yes <Yeah>. so <laughs> yeah, we got Madonna. to see some people in person that we haven't seen in person before so that was pretty cool yeah, that was really fun, and it was great to see some matchups that we've never we haven't seen. Um, it was a it was a pretty like solid like from, from beginning to end card. There really wasn't any match on this card that wasn't like well worth the time, and that includes the like the big like battle royal or not battle royal. Um, is it a battle royal? I, I can't, yeah, it was a battle royal. Keep these terms straight. It's a battle royal for a chance at the wrestlers lab title. So that was like a fun match with lots of shenanigans. Although I do think it was a sausage fest. There was like not like any. Yeah, was, all, all dudes. Yeah, it was duty. It's pretty duty. Ah, uh, duty. Get it. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty dude heavy. Dude heavy. Not, you know, not to say that, you know, dudes are bad or anything. I don't want the like anti Barbie people coming for us, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, but but overall the card was pretty diverse too. Like I had a fair amount of women booked in that, that card, including um, Edith Surreal uh, defending the Enjoy Championship against Travis Huckabee, and of course the Wrestlers Lab Championship being defended by Eel against Erica Lee, who, uh, in addition to just being a phenomenal talent that's been on this show a couple of times, 
gave us a beautiful shout out in her pre-match promo video that she released earlier this week um, in adjacency with our sponsorship of Wrestlers Lab, uh, Seven Years of Science. So just big thank you to Wrestlers Lab and to Erica specifically for that wonderful shout out. It really was like, it just made our day, made my year. And then we, we had the, um, we had Big Zig against Big Al, which was also amazing. Um, I've only seen Big Al in person once before, and I think she's a great talent. And obviously, we all all love Ziggy. Yes, and this was a really particularly. I we're not going to give away any like spoilers in this and everything, so I, I hope that this doesn't really count as a spoiler. But it was especially fun to see. Ziggy on the weekend of the Barbie movie, knowing how much of a Barbie stan Ziggy Hyam is. Um, so there was uh, there was gear. I won't say much more than that, but there was gear that uh, definitely uh, hearkened to the current Barbie climate. And it was a really nice contrast to Alice, who looked like, you know, perfectly Oppenheimer in her in her all black and surly. Although I believe we started calling her Skipper at some point. <laughs> I mean, that's the really fun thing about these shows at the T2T Pittsburgh Academy um, over at 880 in New Kensington. They, I, I had not been to one of these shows. John, you could probably talk about this a little bit more with experience, mm-hmm. but like, it's such a it's such a different vibe than even the Enjoy shows because the Enjoy shows still take place in large venue. Like, Mr. Smalls is a fairly large venue. It's a legit venue. This is in a training school. So it's very much like going to a punk rock show in like, you know, whoever storefront is willing to host it. Exactly. Yeah, that's definitely what I equate our um our shows at that venue to is just like going to a punk rock show, hanging out, like no one's taking like wrestling like super seriously. You know, no one's sitting there giving stars ratings or, or anything like that. Everyone's just there to have a good time, you know, get along. Um, it's with BYOB, so, you know, um, I don't know, it's just a really fun time. Yeah, it's a really fun time, and this show synced up with, like, a community fest that was going on in New Kensington at the same time, so they, um, the T2T sponsored a couple of matches that happened just down the street at Voodoo Brewing, so they did a couple of no-ring outdoor matches over there prior to the, the show at 8, and that was really cool, because, you know, that was it was fun to see that like people we were going to see in like more legit matches in these like kind of more like loosely booked, like like much more low stakes, like outdoor matches just for a general crowd. But it, yeah. So as a result, it felt kind of like there was just wrestling all afternoon. Now, I haven't heard any any spoilers from the Wrestlers Lab show from YouTube or on social media. Everybody's been very tight lipped about what went on in the lab. So I don't know. If our spon- spon- sponsee, what do you call somebody who gets sponsored? Uh, a sponsored athlete. Our sponsored athlete. Our, feature, our featured player. I don't know if Erica Lee was successful in defeating Eel or Neil to capture the Wrestlers Lab Championship or not. But I will say this. I had a dream about her last night, so I feel like that's a good sign. Had a dream about Erica, huh? Yeah. yeah. Was she doing like big, big woman stuff? Big woman, like moving furniture. <laughs> exactly. Like moving I furniture. was envisioning more of um, like the, the woman at the end of um, Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> I haven't seen that in so long. Right. I don't know what you're alluding to. <laughs> <laughs> There's like this woman that like just becomes like a giant woman and starts like tearing apart the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies, I must admit. So, uh, Eric Lee, if you're listening, uh, please tell us if you plan on demolishing any arcades in the coming future or what you were doing in Harley's Dream, because we're all, like, deeply, deeply curious. (laughs) But, yeah, overall, it was a really, really fun show, really tightly booked, um, uh, and it'll come out. I don't know that we have any uh, specific details, but... In lab fashion, it's usually on IWTV, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it has been. I don't know with like um, with in, the enjoy people having something to do with it. Maybe it'll be on that network that they're streaming. Oh, that, you know, that is true. Know. Yeah, so that I'm not true. sure. There was. I'm, I'm sure they'll let us been, know. 
there was quite a bit of enjoy. Um, There's quite a bit of enjoy personnel in the house on on Saturday night. So um, clearly, like a very like well supported operation was going on. And of course, like T2T and Pittsburgh and uh, Enjoy and Russell's Lab, they're they're like overlapping circles almost to. It's not a Venn diagram so much as a like slightly off centered circle set of circles. Um, so yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, John. And it might end up being on that. What's the what's the new channel for Enjoy? Remix. So no dates of that as of yet, but definitely anyone listening, please check it out. Um, some of these matches, especially like uh, both the title matches towards the end, are really really worth watching. Definitely check out um, Edith versus Travis Huckabee. Um, we don't get to cover Travis very, very often on the show because he's this dude, but um, he's been on this on this coastal on this like region scene for a, a long time and. Uh, like a Chikara guy, as well as, you know, just doing time up and down a lot of notable places. He is a really great wrestler to watch. And, uh, yeah, so his match was fantastic. And Eric and Eel delivered everything. But, yeah, just top to bottom, really, really fun show. So I hope you, anyone listening to this, please make a point of finding um, finding Seven Years of Science once it comes out. I don't know if it'll be episodic or if it'll be, I, I think it'll likely just be dropped as an entire show. So just, yeah, just make sure you're following Wrestle Lab on the socials, and I'm sure they'll let you know. Yes, make sure you're following Wrestlers Lab in general, because Chris posts some delightful stuff. Um, lots of really fun graphics and lots of fun memes and things, so please make make a point to follow Wrestlers Lab on Twitter and, and Instagram and elsewhere. Also this weekend, live from, oh, I, I don't know, somewhere. I don't remember. Where <laughs> oh, New Jersey, right? They they kept talking about yeah, record. they were in Brentwood, biggest right? show ever in for Ring of Honor in New Jersey. It was Death <laughs> Before Dishonor 2023. The Ring of Honor is back, and that means that once again on this glorious medium that we call podcasting, we get to do some talking honor. Ooh, I feel like we need to throw in the talking honor theme song. Hit it. I don't remember what it was. Oh, oh my god, I can't believe you don't. It's iconic. Oh man, we've been around. We've been doing this for this long, this many episodes. I can't even keep our our theme songs straight any, anymore. Death Before Dishonor. They were on pay per view. Yes, we only got like two, like one match more than three days before the show. The entire card was announced like the day before the show. Despite this, it turned out to be a pretty solid, reliable show. Which shouldn't be a surprise. I, I really liked it. I thought it was great. <laughs> you look at the names on paper and it's like, well, yeah, of course. You know, you could have all these people show up in the building not knowing who they're going to wrestle that night. Put any two of them together and it's going to be a good card. For real. Like, you run down this card and it's like, okay, I'd, I'd want to check that out. I want to check that one out too. Oh, shit, I got to check that one out. This is one of the more, like, just generally, like, out of browsing level, like, drawing in ROH cards. Honestly, more than some of the like other major like pay-per-views produced by some of the other companies recently. Maybe. And even the um like one of some of the matches that I wasn't that interested in, like the Dark Order match, that really delivered. So we got two women's matches on the show because Tony Khan is in charge. On the pre-show, sorry, the free for all, no, the 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 countdown, the zero hour. Zero hour. Zero hour. Zero hour. It's like it doesn't exist. On the zero hour, we got legit Layla Hirsch versus newest member of the infantry, Trisha Dora. I love her being in the infantry, too. Okay, good, because I, I does nothing for me. 
I don't like really? it. Really? I, I think it's cornball, and I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I, don't know. I think it's cool, you know, that they were all in the military, and um, you know, you have a group with, um, you know, men and women, and our logo with the old Fuji's cover was really cool too. <laughs> the logo is really cool, and you know how I feel about um, like intergender uh, factions, in that I'm highly supportive about them and think that every that should just generally be the rule um so what doesn't work for you harley i maybe it, i know they all were legitimately in the uh, u.s armed forces but i'm not like a big military guy i guess so part of that like i don't like the aesthetics in general no disrespect to the three individuals and then coming out on stage and like doing the little salute is like yeah i don't know i feel like I feel like it diminishes Trish a bit, I guess. You know, like it, it makes me feel like, oh, it's, now she just is going to come across as a Lacey Evans, Sergeant Slaughter type when she could, when she has so much more depth to her and she's so much more of an interesting character. I'm like, of the two women in this match, I thought Layla Hirsch would benefit more from having a stable. Whereas I think Trish, I, I'm such a huge Trish fan that I think she's, more than capable of just standing on her own as a compelling figure. But, like, I don't think that's, like, their whole identity. Because even when it was just, like, Bravo and Dean, like, I don't think, like, their whole identity was, like, more military people. You know? Like, they still, like, had their own personalities. And I think with this, they're still going to let Trish have her own personality. She's just, you know, a member of a group where they were all military people. You know? Yeah, and for me, like, the the visuals don't, they definitely, like, it's definitely uh, hearkening to, like, the military background of each, each three of the wrestlers, but also, like, there's something almost like, like, black political militant also in that visual coding, which I really like, and I, like, appreciate from, like, just the standpoint of, like, you don't see that often in um, pro wrestling for like African American wrestlers in like major promotions, so or at least not done in a subtle way. So I don't know. I kind of appreciate that element of it as well. I like a little bit of I like the like I like a little bit of that coding of like you know black militancy, and that that to me is really cool. Yeah, I think whenever you think of like military characters in wrestling, you don't typically think of you know black wrestlers. Oh no, I mean not. Not nearly on the top of my head. I'm trying to think of one. So, uh, GI yeah. Bro, Booker T's old gimmick. <laughs> Not the greatest example. All right. Definitely, definitely the first thing that pops in my head. Well, regardless, this match was not about Trish. This match was all about Layla Hirsch. She came back a couple of weeks ago as a surprise replacement so Maria Canales wouldn't have to wrestle a match. And she, following this, following this match, she's now 3-0 in her return to ROH. It has felt all about, this felt like more or less a uh, Leila Hirsch showcase match. Here she is, she's a heel. They made that very clear just through the action in the match and the way that she carried herself. And that's interesting. I know, um, I don't know if we've, we talked, when did we used to talk about Leila all the time? She was somewhere. Where like we talked about her regularly. I talked about maybe her whenever she was on um, Beyond regularly. Yeah, and um, yes. yeah, yeah. I talked about her all the time when she was regularly featured in Beyond because that was kind of where she had her big breakout moments, and then she got signed to AEW, and they used her pretty consistently for a short while, and then she got injured, and when she, and now like now she's back in ROH, which honestly makes a ton of sense. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I I I always have liked Leela Hirsch from from like when she came to be on from when I started seeing her pop up here and there. Um, I I I do love a shooter. I love a I love a you know a straight up like you know technical wrestling gimmick. And I think that they had her um, switch to heel, turn heel pretty quickly. In AEW, I remember the angle. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember the specific. I remember specifically there was an angle that turned her, and I think she works that gimmick really well. Also, I, I, think, I just love a shooter heel. 
I think she has a sense of like realism to her too, where like mm. if you saw Layla, you would, you, she could probably kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I just feel like with shooter heels, like it, the the key is that they have to seem like they would actually fight you and win, and uh, Layla has no problem conveying that. Well, they have, as far as I know, they've still never done a pure rules match between two women. And seeing these two in the ring, that was the first one of the first things that came to mind to me was, oh, they'd be great in the pure rules format because they both know groundwork and submissions and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I would love that. I would honestly I would just love to see a series here. I, I think that there was there's elements to this that are unfinished and feel like they could they could build on. But I, I'm guessing that's probably not really the point. I just want them to do more with both women, so I'd love to see them like have a repeated series, maybe culminating in a pure rules match would be really cool. Well, Hirsch picked up the win with the armbar in eight and a half minutes. Post-match, instead of going for the code of honor, she attacked Trish again, and that prompted Sky Blue coming out and chasing Layla off. So whether that leads to... ROH booking right now is so weird, because they do these... <laughs> like two-hour-long ROH Dark episodes on Honor Club each week. And that's about it. Like, the next pay-per-view probably isn't going to be until Final Battle in December. That's a long time. So it's unclear, like, are we just going to get Layla versus Sky Blue this Thursday on Honor Club? Or are they going to put some more steam behind it, wait a couple of weeks, and then do that match sometime in august uh, there's no way they're waiting until december for that so it's a bit yeah with roh booking is so weird because most of weekly roh shows it's still a lot of enhancement matches um yeah i mean it just i mean in general it just doesn't seem like um tk really knows what to do with hardly any of the women because like sky blue she's been everywhere um but and she's done great everywhere. But uh, yeah, they just don't seem to know where to put her or what to do with her. Yeah, they're really having a crisis with Sky Blue because they clearly want to use her, rightfully so. I think she's like young and like plucky and promising and upcoming talent. Like it makes sense for them to to want to build her. I just don't know that they have figured out where they want her to be. That continues to be one of the biggest issues with ROH, right, is the bleeding over with AEW and the question marks that that entails. So I've been keeping track of statistics for ROH all of this year based on the Honor Club shows. The only women who have appeared like regularly, like say wrestled more than two or three times this year, are these three, Layla Hirsch, Trisha Dora, Sky Blue, Willow Athena, and then Diamante, Kira Hogan, and Mercedes Martinez. That's pretty much the extent of the ROH women's division right now. And you have people like Diamante and Mercedes who only wrestle in ROH. And then you have people like Sky Blue and Willow who have been mostly in AEW lately, but made a handful of ROH appearances. And then you get the weird things with Athena where it's like she's the face of ROH, but then she shows up on AEW TV for the first time in months and then loses in the midst of this 31 and 0 win streak it's 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 still too messy for me i don't i want a clear brand split and a clear identity for our age yeah there really isn't that right now <laughs> um and i think that they had kind of made it seem like that was going to happen but it really hasn't. It's it's become a place where like there's so much bleed over, there's so much crossover, and it can't help but also sometimes feel like a demotion, um, just by virtue of it not being like on primetime cable television. Um, so it, it's hard because I think that this pay per view alone can make the argument that ROH is in really good shape, but it can't help still feeling like a like subsidiary show. It's the same thing with, like, Samoa Joe was coming out for the TV title match, and on commentary, they're like, can anybody stop Samoa Joe? And I'm like, yeah, CM Punk beat him, like, a week ago. Wardlow beat him, like, a <laughs> bunch of times in the spring. Like, yeah, people, yeah, lots of people can. I've seen, I feel like I've seen him lose a lot of times this year. But an ROH fail, he's, like, unstoppable. Yeah, which is, it's just weird, because we, like, 
if they are going to make it separate universes, that's fine, but they haven't made it separate universes. So we can't, we can't have that. Like, um, that's suspension of disbelief. Like we're going to do the exact same like math that you did, Harley. It's like, there's, there's too much bleed over for us to just take it as a given of what you're, what the commentary is selling us. Like, even like, if you look at like, NXT versus the other shows. Like, NXT is its own universe. And you might have, like, someone, like, um, someone come in and, like, have a match or two. Um, like Seth Rollins did or whatever. But it's still not continuing, really, storylines over to NXT. You know what I mean? I think they've done a pretty good job of, like, separating that universe from the other ones. Yeah, ROH feels like it's in the position right now to be the NXT. If they want to have it be, you know, predominantly people who could use maybe a little bit more seasoning, whether that's people like Keir Hogan and Sky Blue, along with a mix of, like, the reliable, the veteran talent, your Mercedes Martinez, your Athena, that's a good mix, and I'm happy with all that. I just want the ROH TV show to be more, or the Honor Club weekly show to be more focused and feel like there's stuff happening week to week, or we're building to something significant. You have the having the titles on guys who are always wrestling on AEW is hurting as well because it's like, well, oh, Claudio's not around this week because he's busy doing this, and Shibata's not around because he's in Japan. And the only, I guess, the one silver lining to all that is it's really allowed Athena to be the star. ROH right now, Athena is the main character. She's the star of the show. She's the face of the company. She's 18 and 0, 19 and 0 now this year, I think. And the second best record after that is like Joe and Claudio at 6 and 0. So it's like not even close. And I think, you know, to put her at the main event kind of proved that, you know, whenever like earlier in the show, then they said, you know, like the second half of the main event is going to be Athena and Willow. And for a second, I was like, whoa, did they really say that? You know. <laughs> yeah, ROH, the company that took like 18 years to introduce a women's championship. <laughs> so we got it. We got Athena and Willow in the main event. As far as the women's division goes, it's the biggest match they could give us. They played it up as being a bit of a rubber match because Athena had beaten Willow in ROH earlier this year. The last pay-per-view, I think. Supercard of Honor, maybe. And then Will Beat Athena on AEW Collision? Rampage? Doesn't matter. One of the AEW shows. So it's the rubber match. Will is the only person to defeat Athena in the last year and a bit. Will's got her family in the front row. Dawn, we're convinced. This is it. She's winning. I was, I was like going into the show. I was like, yeah, Athena's obviously going to keep the belt. And then they have it the main event. And then they have Willow's whole family there. So then at that point, I'm thinking Willow's going to take it. Yeah, I, I, I had Willow picked for so many reasons. Uh, her, her recent uh, tournament win and losing the or, or the um, New Japan strong women's belt. Um, I just figured, like, oh, they're going to do this. They're going to make this change, you know, kind of pay off Willow's, like, ascent right now. But, yeah. Yeah, I thought Willow had it as well. Because, A, Athena's beaten everybody already. So it's kind of the question of, like, well, now what? But also, yeah, I kind of thought, did the women's match get moved to the main event as sort of a last-minute change? Because they wanted to end the show on a... Because Mark Briscoe got injured. I, I was reading today, there are all sorts of circumstances. That it was supposed to... Original, original plan was Claudio versus Eddie Kingston for the ROH title. Then Eddie got entered into the G1, so they couldn't do that. It was going to be Mark versus Samoa Joe, but Joe had to go film a TV show, so they couldn't do that. So then they said it was going to be Mark Briscoe versus Claudio, but then Seg went on strike, so Joe was free. So then they're going to go back to Mark versus Joe. Then Mark gets injured, so now we're going to bring Pac in. All of these things being shuffled around and bumped around, I wonder if that's what led to the women getting put in the main event, like if it, if it wasn't originally the plan, but because they were so consistent and so reliable, that was a choice. And then I thought, foolishly, 
Oh, they put them in the main event because they want to end on a big happy note of like a babyface win. It was going to be Mark. Now it can't be Mark. It'll be Willow instead. But it wasn't. I mean, it was still the match of the night. You know, it was still an amazing yeah. match no matter who won. I, I th- I'd like to think that even if it's all those circumstances that you mentioned, Harley, like they knew that the women could close out the show and do it right. And like you said, like Athena's been a, like a major powerhouse for ROH, and she is a very bankable person for them. So it, it makes sense. Like, I mean, you look at the card; it's like you could end with these women, and it, it's a you make a make a reasonable point in doing so. And the crowd was so invested in this as well, right? Like, there was nobody in the crowd who was like, oh, "Women's matches on last." Like, throughout the entire match, I mean, not even throughout the whole match. Like before them, like from the bell. There's big chance for Willow. It's clear that like we love Willow. We we hate Athena for the right reasons because she's a heel, not because it's like oh her. And we want Willow to win. There's so many times where you, two people like you you see a crowd like really like we're so excited for this match, and then you get like a both these guys chant or something because hey we're just so excited for the match. But this was one of those like old school dynamics where it's like we want this person to win. We are rooting for this one person because we want to see this person win. And that was just so cool to see. And like near the end of the match, uh, where, where is it in my notes? When somebody, when Will kicks out of the O face, they found shots of like, you know, the classic shots of like grown men in the crowd who are on their feet, like cheering and celebrating like she's won. She hasn't even won. She just didn't lose. But that's enough to, for this crowd to be like losing their minds with like joy. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I think I might have been out of my seat whenever she got the other face too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I watched this in kind of like a rush to like to, to watch it, and I I got more swept up in it than I even realized. But like that moment in particular, and I I, I really enjoyed the crowd like being so in on this match because it really does like it just emphasizes the point over and over again that like. Wrestling is a collaboration. You've got your wrestlers. You've got them doing everything they can to get over. But, like, it doesn't work unless the crowd is behind it 100%. And the crowd is behind us 100%. And I think that you have to give a lot of credit to Athena there. Because there's so many people that want to be, like, a cool heel. Or, you know, whatever. And even, like, MJF, you still have, like, a lot of people cheering for him and stuff. But, like, she's done so good getting herself over as, like, a legit legitimate like scary heel like remember whenever she first started there was people complaining that she was being too tough you know that she was just too rough on jody threat jody threat of all people come on (laughs) (laughs) and i mean like looking back yeah that's hilarious but like that's how good she's been through this whole run yeah and i think that's what was also part of her heel build up too of like Oh yeah, you guys hate it when I'm rough. I'm gonna be rougher. I'm gonna give you some some of like the hardest hitting women's matches you've ever seen in ROH, and I'm not going to back down because of it. Also, her gimmick and her visual presentation has just gotten so much smoother and better. I I I love Athena, so I hated kind of picking on her appearances in AEW when they first brought her in, but there was some uh uh, uh hiccups, some minor mistakes made with presentation. Um, that uh, that were have been course corrected to the extreme, and I noticed that right away with the entrance look because she comes in with these gorgeous, huge wings, and they're beautiful and they're feathered and they're they're just absolutely fantastic. And it took me right back to when she was coming out at, in AEW in those like robotic wire hanger wings, essentially, which should have looked cool, but didn't go with the rest of her look. So they kind of just look like she was wearing a coat rack that could move on its own and uh, and not even that well. Like one that was like pulley, like like stringing pulley operated. Um, so now they have she has the confidence in her presentation to match her confidence in her ring, um, in, her, in her ring abilities, which are unquestionable. And it's just it's a dynamite package. It's just it's fantastic. She is looking more and more every time they every time see her every time they have a pay-per-view she looks more and more like a like a superstar like the superstar that she is and it just emphasizes that like contrast between like 
that darkness of Athena against like the happy bubbliness of um Willow, which which is super cool. I never really saw any of Athena's stuff pre WWE because I wasn't plugged into the indies at the time and streaming wasn't it what it is today. So my real introduction to her was NXT. And NXT, she was incredible. Like, she made instant fans. The first time she hit the, what is now called the O-Face, I remember that episode and people losing their minds going, oh my God, what was that move? <laughs> it was the same same as the first time I saw Puck hit the uh, 640 or whatever it is. She was so good in NXT. But the thing that always held her back is that she just happened to arrive in NXT during the Oscar era. And Oscar, as we all know, is just such a dominant presence. <laughs> so literally, like, Athena's there on the roster making a huge name for herself, but Oscar's undefeated, just steamrolling everybody in her path. And so they have two big matches at two different takeovers, and Oscar beats her both times. Then Oscar goes to Raw, vacates the title without losing it, and Athena wins a four-way to capture the vacant title. Which is cool and all, but again, it just like underscored like, oh, she's not as good as Oscar. Like she's second to her. She couldn't even beat her for the belt. She had to win it after she vacated it. And then by the time Athena made it to the main roster, Raw and SmackDown, I don't remember her doing much of anything. I feel like she got injured early on. By the end of her WWE run, it felt like she was like a shell of herself. I remember people online feeling like it's time for her to pack it in. I think I was of that same mindset. I think I thought she's probably going to retire soon because it's clear that her best days are behind her and that she's just like, you know, doesn't have it anymore. So this ROH really? she's run... She's so super young. I know, but that's what it felt like because it she felt like damaged goods by the end of her WWE run. It felt like her... Like her they were just throwing her, her had been broken. like they do with everybody that they don't know what to do with. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. I think it's just like literally like her... You know, there's nothing interesting to sink her teeth into and no, no opportunities to really, like, show herself. So it feels like she was, like, defanged and that she was just going through the motions. So this ROH run especially has been, like, such an awakening because it's like, oh, no, she's not done. She's been wrestling for 16 years, but she's doing the best work she's done in her entire career now. And she's arguably one of the best wrestlers in anywhere today. Oh yeah, I think I definitely think she's as good as she's ever been right now. And um yeah, I think you could put her in the ring with just about anyone and have an amazing match at this point. Nothing taking nothing against Willow. Willow's great too. I'm just saying, you know, Athena's at the top of her game. With Athena it's always like the speed and the crispness of her moves for me. For Willow We've been watching Willow for years. We've, all, we, I know all three of us have seen many, many, many Willow matches and many different promotions, in person, on streaming, on pay per view. I feel, I felt watching this match that she had a clear confidence, different than anything I've seen before, like winning the New Japan Strong Title, winning the Owen Hart Cup, like realizing that there are people who like believe in her and know that she's the future of. Like, like at, at the very least, women's wrestling in AEW, I felt I could see a confidence in Willow that just was different from anything I've seen before. And I think a more of a um, knowing that she's, you know, big and powerful. You know, I think like sometimes she still just comes off as that bubbly, happy, happy person, you know, where you kind of forget, hey, this is a really powerful woman. And I think she kind of, she's still people are still attracted to like her personality, but at the same time, whenever she's wrestling, she's showing that, you know, powerful side a little bit more often. I think the big theme of this match was essentially a love letter to women of honor. We had Willow hitting Sumi Sakai's smash mouth at different points. They both hit signature moves from women like mischief and Daisy Hayes and Sarah Del Rey. I feel, I don't, I, I wasn't able to track all of them. And I feel like even Ian and Caprice weren't able to catch all of them. They caught a, they caught a bunch of them. They managed to p- call out and say, like, that's Oblivion. That's Mischief's move. Things like that. But there were so many of them packed in there in that way to pay tribute to the women who 
wrestled once in ROH every seven months or, you know, only on house shows and not on TV, not on pay-per-view. That was just like a really cool thing. Without that, it would have been a great match. But with that, it was just like a, just like another lovely, like beautiful little touch. And I think, um, I think one that popped to me was the, um, what's it, the, um, the butterfly suplex? Is that what it's called from Sarah mm-hmm. Del Rey? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that one definitely popped me. And, um, yeah, you look back at those women, um, we're definitely not where we are right now without those women. But, you know, especially people like, you know, Mischief and Daisy Hayes, I don't think they ever, like, truly got their flowers. No, they they didn't. That era of ROH is often, like, they're completely erased when people talk about that era of ROH. Like, they were there. They did They did time there. They had matches there. Yes, it wasn't with the frequency or the or the platform that the like the men who rose in in Ring of Honor during those early days had, but like they are important and they made a mark there and they they broke ground there. So it was really gratifying. Was, we have talked about women of our of like those early days of women in ROH in the past. We have we have talked about those women in, in context of other wrestling that they were doing while also making appearances in ROH. And it was really gratifying to see them get their flowers in this moment. It was just exceptional. It, it further cemented the fact that this is a women's main event of an ROH pay-per-view. Like, that's just, this is the time to, 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 to take that extra step and give credit to those who deserve it. Like, looking back at those shows, um, like being at those shows, um, you would get, like, a five-minute women's match, maybe, and during that match, you know, like the men would be either complaining, men in the crowd would either be complaining or catcalling them. So, like, they had to deal with a lot, you know. Yeah, they had to deal with they had to deal with crowds who are not the crowds of today, who are who are much more primed for women's wrestling than your crowds of the early days of ROH. Absolutely. But it's all it's all a testament to these two women as well, the work that they've done this past year and before, and the investment in this match. Because I saw people online saying that at the Rampage taping this same week, it was Chris Statler and Marina Shafir in the main event, and people were walking out before the match even started. Like, okay, that's it, show's over, let's go. Which is, you know, you can have all your problems and criticisms of that, and those people deserve their criticism, obviously. But... Marina Shafir has not been built up as a TV main eventer. She's enhancement talent. She's lost every match this year. So it's understandable why some people might not stick around for that. Whereas this match, again, I just kept coming back to being so thankful and so like ecstatic that the crowd was in this from step one. Will kicks out of the O face. Huge reaction. She has the babe with the power bomb. Athena kicks out. And again, the crowd is right there chanting one more time. Like these, like I just, I love kayfabe chants. You know, they're not chanting like yeah, woo, like I, like I, both these women or something like that, right? They're chanting, "Hey, babyface wrestler, we want you to win, and this is how you can do it <laughs> one more time." <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy what the crowd will get into when both wrestlers have been booked to seem as strong and dominant as both of these women right like that's so going into it like we have people invested in both these wrestlers we have people invested in their in in their placement in the company and their title runs um so yeah it's just the like doubling down on confidence here and having the women made event is paid off in in tenfold by the fact that the audience is right there with them so like they they want they want more in this match. They want they want these women to deliver as much as possible. They're ready to see it and they believe in it. And that is palpable in in the whole in, in the entire in the entire match. And I mean you have to give credit to whoever booked it to be booked the match itself too, because like there was no point at that match where you were like, I know what's gonna happen next or I know who's gonna win this. You know, I think it was all up in the air the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like I said, I I was surprised by the outcome. Genuinely surprised. Athena hits a second O face into a cross face, and 
they're there on the mat struggling. And those those moments, it can go either way, right? You can ma- they can manage to pull a rope break, or we saw Will kind of roll over Athena into a two count, but then Athena's back into it, and. I don't know. I don't, I'm like, I don't think she's going to tap. Maybe she'll make it to the ropes and then Athena will, like, do something else. But no. Paul Turner calls it. Referee stoppage. Athena remains the champ in 20 minutes and 31 seconds. Yeah, nothing's going to cement your heel status like uh, like choking out a, like, massive baby face like Willow Nightingale. This was, this was exceptionally smart booking especially if they want to keep Athena heel and like do so in a way that like just doubles down on everything. This was smart. So, I mean, do you think next up we're going to have like sky go through a couple people and then like at next ring of honor pay-per-view, it's going to be sky. Cause that's the only baby face I can think of. Yeah. Unless they want to do sky versus Athena for the ROH women's belt in like a, one of the AEW shows coming up. I don't I don't know what the card is starting to look like for the big end of August shows, but I mean they they could ostensibly defend that belt on AEW too. Yeah, I mean Athena defended the title against Sky on Honor Club in May and beat her. So but she also beat Athena last year or earlier this year as well. I went through, like I said, everybody, all the women who have wrestled a couple of times in ROH this year. And honestly, the only people in ROH right now that Athena hasn't beaten recently are Diamante, although she beat her back in October on AEW Dark, so that's not that long ago, and Layla Hirsch. They've never had a match. Otherwise, she's beaten everybody. She already beat Mercedes. She already beat Kier Hogan. She already beat Will. She already beat Sky Blue. Uh, She beat Lady Frost. I don't know... Who's next for Athena? I'm interested to find out. But short of them bringing in somebody surprising or sending somebody new over, you know, is there somebody... NXT does this. Dana Brooks down at NXT right now doing some stuff. Dominic Mysterio just won a a championship down there. Maybe they send somebody like an Anna Jay over. But then you have to turn her face, which I... You know, that's the thing. Like, I'm like, what baby faces are left that they haven't already beaten. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I'm interested to find out. And TK's got the money that he can sign a couple of people if he wants. Yeah, you know, a couple of those were women. That'd be cool. As I said, I don't think we'll be back on pay-per-view until Final Battle. And that's five months from now. It's a long time. So five months of just Athena beating, you know, local enhancement talent each week on Honor Club, we can't do that. There needs to be more. TK saving up money to get um, Sasha. Hmm. They got Utami Hayashida wrestling on ROH on Honor Club, which blew my mind. Like, that's that's where you're going to put the, like, multi-time stardom champion is just, like, on Honor Club. We just, um... Start pumping up Maki Ito and get her a title shot. Yes. I mean, she's <laughs> the cutest champion in the world. She just challenged for, for one in DDT, so belt collector Maki Ito. Well, that was Death Before Dishonor. And regardless of all my other issues with ROH right now, with its identity, with the lack of uh, the shallowness of the division, that yeah, that match delivered, and that was easily my match of the year so far. We'll see if if either of these women can top it in the next five months. Yeah, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that they. I don't know about topping this match in particular, but I have no doubt that they both will like carry out this momentum. It it if if AEW slash ROH slash New Japan slash etc. are doing anything right, it's um, keeping Willow really strongly um so even when she loses it doesn't feel like a like a it doesn't feel like a loss to her momentum so i i'm pleased with that because i do think that she is a star and i think that like the crowd reaction alone justifies my my instinct on that so um and athena obviously is still a champion she's still she's still booked really really well she's booked to to seem like a powerhouse that she is so like they're doing some things right with the booking of these women it's just because of the scattershot and like uncertain 
overlapping universes of ROH and AEW, et cetera. Like it's just difficult to know what these things mean in a in a in a weight sort of sense. But there's no question that like it's always it's always a, a moment whenever Willow and it's, Willow and or show thank you for listening everybody follow us on instagram at grit glitter pod i've been sharing some photos that i took at the enjoy wrestling show follow us on um, we're we're recording this on sunday it's coming on tuesday so maybe follow us on twitter at grit glitter pod otherwise follow us on x x at grit glitter pod and uh support us on patreon if you want $1 $1 a month gets you a weekly newsletter written every Monday by your friends in the Glitterati. $5 a month gets you bonus podcasts. Em and I have a series called Women's Wrestling Entertainment where we trace the history of women in the WWE. And this Saturday, episode 11, drops in your ear canals. It covers January to July 1993. Monday Night Raw, Luna Vachon, Bonnie Blackstone. Don, do you know who Bonnie Blackstone is? I was probably watching during that time, but no, I don't remember. I know. WWE, hmm. WWE's first ever female backstage interviewer, and I got the whole story. <laughs> All sorts of good stuff in this one, including Luna Vachon versus Sensational Sherry in uh, a series of catfights. That drops this Saturday for our Patreon listeners. Patreon listeners at $5 a month also get archived episodes of Grid and Glitter going back to our early days, season one, season two episodes, drop in, all sorts of stuff like that. Patreon.com slash GreatGlitterPod. Support us just like Alexi, Nancy Todd, Chad Boykin, John Armstrong, Aaron Carlisle, Evan Minsker, Jason Norris, and the guys of the Wrestling Mayhem show did this month. Thank you, Patreons. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Because you give us your money, we're able to make our sponsorships count for things like Wrestlers Lab. So uh, your money is being well used and we um, we also encourage if when you are a Patreon subscriber, I don't think I say this enough, but like, you know, interact with us, reach out to us, send us mail, send us requests. Like there's all kinds of power that you guys have over us that you don't exercise nearly enough. So, you know, uh, make your make your money count double and, uh, you know, make us do some stuff for you. Next week on this show, M has an interview with playwright and YA author. Gina Famia about her YA wrestling novel, Alondra. Yes, I'm so excited um, to talk to Gina about this work. This is her debut YA novel. Um, she has a ton of credits on the stage and in other forms of publications, but this is her first young adult uh, novel. And it is a book that I basically would have loved to have written myself. So I'm so excited to talk to her about it. I just came out this past spring. Highly recommend you check it out. Alondra by Gina Fabia. Uh, we will be discussing that book and wrestling. She's a big wrestling nerd, and I'm so excited to talk to her. So join us next week for that.